walking to the old side of the building, um, right there on your right is going to be a little stool with envelopes there. And I was told not to make any jokes about being old, okay? So um, if you're six, you put $6 in there, all right? I'm not going to say anything about anyone older than that. I don't want to get in trouble by anybody. And uh, pastor apparently is allowed to because he's on the older side. That's what I was told. But uh, as a younger guy, I <laughs> pastor didn't hear. He wasn't paying attention, so that's perfect. Huh? He can't hear anyway, so uh, no, I'm just kidding. All right, so this Friday, moving on, this Friday is our ladies' banquet. Looking forward to that. I think we have about 170 ladies signed up, so it should be a great time. They're going to pack them all in here, and then the, oh, look who just showed up. Uh, Robert Murray is here. It's, it's good to see him come on in. Uh, we got to visit him a couple of days. Good to see him here. And uh, bringing his pastors put him to sleep, I guess. I don't know. So just kidding. We have our ladies' banquet. That's this Friday night at uh, 6.30. So ladies, you'll start in here, all right? And they'll dismiss you from here. So if you can get here a little before 6.30, as pastor says, early is on time, right? And so if you get here a little before 6.30, then we can, the ladies can dismiss you into the right tables. And then the guys will have everything they were having to me. And it sounds like the food's going to be awesome. So I'm, I'm excited for you guys and uh, for all those involved. So that's this Friday night at 6.30. Our church work day is this Saturday, starting at 9 a.m. We have enough around this church to do for everyone um, for multiple days. So we'll take as much help as we can. And uh, if you're like, well, I don't think I can do outdoor work, we have indoor work for you. And if you think you can't do indoor work, well, we have outdoor work for you. So it's perfect, anyone that wants anything. But if you do have a chainsaw and know how to use it, please bring it. We have lots of wood to chop and uh, saw in half and all that kind of stuff. So uh, if you have a chainsaw and are willing to use it and use your gifts for the Lord... Um, please uh, bring that chainsaw and uh, be ready to work on Saturday. Our teens will be working as well. This is one of the ways that they earn money for camp, so looking forward to that. Graduation Sunday is coming up May 28th. We have, I think, 11 graduates, two college graduates, and so they'll be able to... Yes? Okay. Oh, David's the third one. I was going to say, I don't know who the third one is. David got his master's. It's going to get another next year. So, yeah, so three graduates. Sorry about that. Three college graduates. Um, and so looking forward to having that time of uh, being able to honor them as they graduate and move on to the next phase of life. Southeast Revival. And so that's coming up uh, June 4th through the 9th, which is quicker than you might think, just a, about a month away. And uh, so you can see we're actually doing something a little differently. So Sunday morning, we'll be having a split session during our Sunday school hour. Okay, so all the, I think, teenage, teenagers on um, all the adult classes and all the college classes and everything will come. We'll have the men, all the men in the fellowship hall with Brother Dave and all the ladies here in the sanctuary with his wife, Beth Lee. And so looking forward to that opportunity where we've got some awesome ideas. They, are, they do this a lot. They travel around and do these split sessions. And so that'll start off our whole revival, okay? Um, and so that'll be June 4th at 930. And then we'll have the morning service. And then every night, 6 p.m. is a free meal. And so uh, we'll show up for that way to do it. We do it so we can have... People go straight from work, so you don't have to go home and figure that things out as well. So we'll have a meal, and then 7 p.m. revival. Kids, three-year-old to fourth grade, will have some uh, kids stuff with, I think, typically our interns that are here coming pretty quick. And then Cola Wars after, which is 7th to 12th grade for refresh. So busy week, and uh, looking forward to that coming up. But 9.30, the split session is a big thing for us to be aware of. That's a, a big change there. Our missionaries of the week are Matt and Kelly Collier uh, with Camps Abroad. And so uh, Pastor read their most recent update, but the one before that gave an idea. They had four brand new camps um, in Bangladesh, Rwanda, Kenya, and Chile. And so they had four new camps that they did. Um, I want to highlight the one in, in Bangladesh or Bangladesh. And uh, they had 20 Hindu or Muslim teenagers uh, make the difficult decision to trust the Lord and follow him. And so they're just praying that the churches there can continue to pour into these kids because in those countries, when you make that profession, a lot of times it means you're kicked out of your families and you lose jobs and a lot, a lot goes into that. And so just be praying for those 20 and also for the church members as they really seek to pour into and follow up with those campers that came. I will have the men come forward at this time. We'll receive tonight's offering and we'll have uh, Mr. Chuck Kravoka, if you can pray for the offering tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight and fellowship together and worship you together. Do thank you for our missionaries, for their sacrifice and their dedication to you. Pray for the Colliers specifically this evening, that you'll bless them in their ministry. Thank you for the opportunity they've had to minister and reach young people for you. Pray that you'll continue to bless there. Bless this offering as we take it and use it to further this ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. We're going to sing Dwelling in Beulah Land, and before we start, <clears throat> I want to say that I love the hymn, Only a Sinner Saved by Grace, but we need to recognize that that is not where we stay in Jesus. I'm going to read the, uh, the verses that are what this song is about, Dwelling in Beulah Land, and I want you to listen for what God calls us as believers. Isaiah 62, 3, Thou shalt be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of God. Listen to this, Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hepzibah, and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. What does the word Beulah mean? Beautiful marriage and married. It's, it's a celebration uh, term for marriage and being married. And uh, that's what we are in, in the name of Jesus. Not because of us, but because of Jesus. So sing with me if you would. Stand with me and let's sing Dwelling in Beulah Land. Far away the noise of strife Yeah. 
which are able, please stand for the reading of sacred scripture. Book of Joshua, chapter 2. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, They came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gates, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the, whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For you have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. May the Lord prosper his word, whereto he sent it. You may be seated. As we continue our uh, song service, I want us to uh, be very careful not to just repeat the words without thinking them. I know it's very easy to do that when we have hymns that we are familiar with. And I want us to really think about the words as we sing this, as we approach our revival services, 
I hope that we can say this genuinely from our hearts to our Savior. So let's sing Revive Us Again. We praise thee, O Those who are not familiar with it uh, may not uh, be able to uh, follow me. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to see, we're going to sing through the first uh, three verses. There's only three verses to this. This is a round. Uh, so we're going to sing through uh, each verse so we can get familiar with the melody. And then we're going to sing it as a round. So what that means is I'm going to split this up into this. You are group one. So this line here to the teenagers, you are group one. You are group two here. So I need you to sing out a little bit louder because you're a little bit smaller of a group. So uh, you're group two. And then you are group three. And you're going to have to sing out really loud, OK? So uh, we're going to sing through uh, one, two, and three together in unison. And then we're going to sing in a round. So Father, I adore you, and I lay my life before you, and then Father, I adore you, and I lay my life before you. Father, I adore me. And you're going to continue singing. Does that make sense? Yes? No? Okay, we're going to figure it out. So uh, let's, let's start in unison. Uh, Father, I adore you. Father, I adore you. Lay my life before you. How I So I'll do my best to lead, and we're gonna we're gonna see how this goes. So uh, let's start with uh, group one. Here we go. Father, I adore you. Father, I adore you. I'm sorry. There's no words on the screen. So <laughs> we're going to change it now to Jesus. We're going to do the same exact thing. And then we'll, we're going to go into spirit. We'll, we'll break before we do the last verse. Spirit, we're going to sing a cappella, okay? So we're going to sing Jesus, I adore you. 
uh, just like that. And then as soon as you're done, your, your section, you're done until we uh, sing Spirit Acapella, okay? So, uh, Jesus, I adore you. Jesus, I adore you. Let's all stand, and we're going to sing, Spirit, I Adore You. Spirit, I adore you. Thank you for doing that with me. That was beautiful, beautiful. Now we're going to sing our hymn of the month, I am weak, but you are strong. Lord, I come with nothing to offer you in my hands. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. So someone, I'm, I, they will remain nameless, is like, Pastor, this rocking chair must be yours because uh, you're getting that age, you know. So I was like, I could do this. This wouldn't be bad. You guys mind? <laughs> Take your Bibles. Turn to First Timothy. That's where we're going to be while you're there. Uh, Lizzie Patterson, by the way, is turning 92. And the family wants to invite the uh, ladies Sunday school class. Uh, so I got this. It says for the Sunday school class. I'm assuming that's going to be for the ladies Sunday school class. Uh, Saturday, May 13th, this Saturday, 12 to 5. is kind of a drop-in time at Fort Benjamin Harrison uh, Cherry Tree Shelter House. Uh, I'll leave these up here. If you want to uh, grab one, you can get them. And uh, if you don't know how to get to Fort Bend, just go through Wanamaker on Post Road and just keep driving straight until you run into Fort Bend and uh, you'll get there. So that's the easiest way to do that, and uh, that will help you out, all right? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to stay here, but uh, that is comfortable. I will have to say, that's not so bad. I couldn't do it. As I was, that requires sitting still, and that's just never been one of my strengths. Uh, but anyway, all right. We're in First Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4. We have a lot of things coming up, and uh, of course, revival being just a small part of what's going on. Our summer times are always a busy time. We pour a lot into our young people here at the church, and we're going to keep doing that, our teenagers and our college group. Uh, God's been, obviously, that's just been paying off, right? We're, we're seeing uh, that those groups growing and building, and wow, what the teenagers did, what was it last Sunday night, was just, whew, you know, if you missed it, that's all I can tell you. You missed it, and uh, you can go back and watch it. It's not going to be the same, and uh, you know, it's just what a joy it is to watch the Lord work, and so we also then uh, bring in interns. Uh, their names, by the way, so you can start accustom getting accustomed to them, uh, Caleb Allen, Grant Sparks, and Drew Hester, so uh, you can go Google them on Facebook or you know, Instagram. They're out there. You can maybe see a picture of them or whatever, uh, but uh, Caleb Allen... Uh, Grant Sparks, Drew Hester, they're coming in. Uh, they'll be in the Wednesday before we start Revival on Sunday, and uh, then they'll be with us for the summer. And sometimes we get, you know, what, why, why do we do all of this? You know, that's a, a real question. Why do we, because we, I'm just telling you, I mean, we are talking about tens of thousands of dollars we pour into College Group Down. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars. And um, it, it's, it's a lot. And having said that, there's a good reason for it, and we're going to look at it tonight, and I'm, I'm trying to 
incorporate you into the process, right? This isn't just uh, for... I'm just being honest with you. If you want to take something that's incredibly tiring and time-consuming and etc., uh, off my plate, then take away the three interns. You know, it's great to have them. You'd think it would be a help to you, and it is. They're great help, but you know, they're they're with us 24/7. You know, so it's not just a great help. It's it's an added, and so, but it's worth it. It's worth it, and so uh, we want to consider how we can incorporate ourselves into the interns for the 10 weeks that they're here, into our teenagers for the you know, six weeks that, or six years that we have them as teenagers, into the college age for the four to six years we have them in that age group, into our young marrieds. Uh, we're, we're supposed to be in, investing. Uh, and so this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and then again in Titus chapter 2, is going to kind of tie them together and uh, what our role is as a, as a church. And I'm not eliminating, uh, now specifically, and we get to Titus chapter 2, it's going to talk about old people a lot. And if you don't like to be called an old person, then don't read Titus chapter 2. Uh, God's nicer about it. He says the aged, you know, okay. I just didn't be called old as aged. Uh, you know, aged sounds really close to ancient, uh, you know. But uh, anyway, so, uh, but, so there's that aspect. But the, the result is still to be the same. We're, we're pouring into for a purpose. And it's not... Just, I don't know if you're aware, but our, our interns don't really spend a lot of time mowing the lawn. You know, we have men that volunteer, and women, that volunteer here to mow the lawn, and we'll give the interns a chance to do it, because I'm just telling you, when they look at those machines, they're like, when do I get to, get to mow the lawn? <laughs> it's fun, you know, it's really fun for about the first three times you do it, and then it just becomes work like everything else. Uh, and so uh, we'll give them their shot, but that's not why we bring them here. We don't bring them here to clean you understand? I mean, uh, that's not it. It's ministry. We're trying to pour into them. And they're never going to come back. I mean, likely not going to come back. I say never. Uh, so Brett's here. I say never. We had Caleb and, and uh, Carly here for three years. Uh, I, you know, it does happen that some of them drift back our direction. But the reality is we're just investing. That's what we're doing. We're just investing uh, for no other reason other than that the work of God is that important. And we just invest in it and let it go out and, and uh, be done. So sometimes that investment, you know, turns into a little bit more effort. For instance, uh, in June, I'm going to spend four days in New Hampshire uh, because Logan Snotty's getting married, and he wants me to perform his wedding. So uh, I get to go and be a part of that, and uh, what a joy it is. So uh, it's exciting times. Uh, Noah's getting married this uh Spring. He's getting married actually the Saturday before revival, which means I probably can't go because it's seven hours away. And it's like uh, I would love to to go and be a part of that, uh, but you know things just happen. You can't always be at all of those things, but you need to just invest. So here we are in First Timothy chapter four. We're going to walk ourselves through the message is for all of us. It's for all of us. It talks about young people here for a moment, but it's for all of us. It says, you know the verse. It says verse twelve: Let no man despise thy youth. All right, teenagers, listen up. College-age kids, listen up. This is you. You are in that youth category. And by definition in the Bible, youth is about 13 to 28. All right? In the Scripture, it, it covers a pretty broad gamut. It's really talking about people who uh, are going through puberty up until the time that they're entering into their own, they're building their own household. Uh, that's the definition of youth. And so that incorporates a lot of people. So uh, definitely this, this scripture is written to you directly. This is God himself, not your pastor. This is God telling you something for you. For the rest of us, uh, it becomes then the challenge of helping them to that point, and we're going to have to become this in order to do it. So be an example of the believer. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us as we look at this passage of scripture to be willing to become the example that you've called us to be. May we as the elder, as the aged, as the old people in the group, may we be willing to show forth the example so that they have an example to follow. And then may they be willing to become that example to their generation and to the generations to come. And Father, we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
And then the Bible begins a list. We're going to dissect the list a little bit and kind of work ourselves through it. And then uh, we're going to add, we're going to finish by looking at Titus chapter 2 and show you how it all fits together. And I bring the interns in because you're only going to have 10 weeks to get, to get that to happen. And, uh, you know, getting to know the interns is not always easy. So uh, we started a process, ladies, are you ready? Because you've got you to you got a part to do in the interns. Just real quickly, this has nothing to do with the message. But um, when Brett became our intern, what year was that, Pastor Brett? 2017. So back in 2017, uh, Brett becomes our intern. And we go to Hardy, no, Hardy's? Wendy's. We go to Wendy's. And lo and behold, uh, the Mackeys are in there. And both of them, Mr. and Mrs., and so I, we introduced them, and blah, blah, they're, they're eating at Wendy's, and uh, introduced Brett. And so we're getting ready to leave, and Miss Martha looks at Brett and says, uh-uh. And asks Brett to kiss him on the cheek. Miss <laughs> Martha's in her 80s at that point, so she can get by with that. You know, like, and so, oh, you, you had to see Brett turn every shade of red in the book <laughs> as he is... He's like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> then we introduce him to Miss Patty, and Miss Patty claims to be his girlfriend. His mom and dad come to visit, and Miss Patty says, I don't know if you know, but your, your uh, son is liking an 80-year-old woman. And so <laughs> they're like, what's going on? Oh, so we started then. The next year, I said, as our interns were coming in, I want you to do something. So I lined up Miss Martha, Miss Patty. I had these ladies all lined up. I said, I'm going to introduce them, and when you go to meet them, I want you to hug and kiss them. And they did, I mean, I had about seven ladies, and I, all of them, and these interns. <laughs> oh, it was so much fun. Just, it's great to watch the interns like, whoa, you know, because if you don't know people, that's a big deal, right? We're talking about pre-COVID. Now, of course, everybody's doing that with a mask on, and it takes away the fun. But, uh, but anyway, you know, it's because to get to know these kids in 10 weeks is going to be you working to do it. But the reality is, we're wanting them to rub elbows with you more than the other way around. You understand? It's our opportunity to impact them. And in order for that to happen, we've got to take some time to get to, to, get to know them. To, we have to be that example and then show them, lead them into being the example of the believer. So it says, in word. And by, this isn't anything hard, you know, but defining this using the, uh, the Strong's, the Strong's uh, concordance, something said something thought, a topic, the way you reason, or your motive. All of that is incorporated. And being an example, why I am saying something matters as much as what I am saying. Do you see how this works? My motivation for why I... So what would, you, what would be a different motivation besides godly for saying something? Say it again. Personal gain, right? What can this person do for me, right? So that, why, by the way, that kind of reflects us back to uh, Proverbs where it talks about flattering, right? Flattering is just that. You're, you're trying to get something from someone, and flattering is, is not a biblical way to speak, to use our words. So why we're saying something, our motivation. The topics that we bring up are, are important, right? We, we ought not to be... I mean, these, these kids are having a tough time already living for Jesus in this world. It doesn't help when the, the people who they're following, the people who they're trying, trying to emulate, are bringing up topics that don't fit within that category, right? I mean, we ought not to be, we ought, not, we ought to watch what we're saying. We need to be an example of the believer in word. It matters how we go about saying something. It matters uh, how we reason, how we think things through and lead a conversation. That's what we're supposed to do. So as these young people are here in our lives and God's in, you know, God has granted us the privilege of impacting them, our role as a body of believers is to help them in this sense, to help guide their word so that they become and a, an example of the believer in word. Now, I'm going to tell you honestly, as you look through this passage and through the passage in Titus, there's an, there's, um, an assumption that the elders have already figured this out. Do you understand? There's an assumption that those of us who have been saved for a while ought to already know how to talk. 
but maybe we don't. So the challenge then becomes, we need to be an example of a believer so that we can lead the young people into what it looks like to be an example of a believer. Then we go, in conversation. And what's a good word to save conversation? Lifestyle. In, in the scripture, conversation is not this, all right? That is in word. And we use that word as conversation as let's have a, let's have a talk. But in the scripture, when you see that word conversation, it's talking about our way of life. It's talking about the way we live. Our conversation is what we might say in our vernacular is our testimony, so to speak. It's, it's what we're putting out there for people to see. It's our conversation, our way of life. And we're supposed to be in our behavior and the way we're acting, we're supposed to be an example of the believer. And when you look up the definition of that word conversation, it is just behavior. That's what it is. So it's, you, know, you have to start incorporating everything that is involved in that. When we get to Titus, God's going to define those, those conversation points, uh, those way of, of living points for us in a little more defined way. But here in Timothy, he just says, the way you're acting, make sure you're acting like a Christian. Right? You know, um, if you're talking to your kids, you'll say, act like what? Act your age, not your shoe size. Act your age, not your shoe size. That's when you're talking to your husband. But when, <laughs> just kidding. When you're talking, what else do you say? Act like, act like you got some sense. Act like, what do you say to your kids? I don't know. I'm not around your house. What do you guys say to your kids? Kids, what do they say to you? Act like. Act like, right. Act like you're somebody, right? Whatever. Keep filling in the blank. What God says is act like Jesus, right? We ought to be an example of the believer. And God literally looks at us and says, act like Jesus, right? That's what he's saying. Behave like Jesus. I mean, how are we going to turn the world upside down if we are being like the world? We've got to, at some point, make a difference here, and we want to pass that along, not in like this burden of responsibility to dump on the next generation, but to show them the joy in serving Jesus, as the song would say. Right? There's joy in serving Jesus. And act like, act like Christ. Uh, we sing a song. It's just like Jesus to roll the clouds. What you guys know that song? And uh, so, you know, I don't lead the singing much anymore, but uh, back when I used to lead the singing quite a bit, if I was singing that song, what would I do every time? Stop. And what would I stop to do? Tell me something that's just like Jesus to do. It's just like Jesus. What's just like Jesus? Tell me something, somebody. What is just like Jesus? Love. Love. All right, Jesus loves us, right? It's just like Jesus to love people who are otherwise less than lovable, right? So if I'm going to act like Jesus, guess what I ought to be doing? Hey, you know, I mean, listen up, old people, of which I am one, all right? So, okay, I can say this, of which I am one. I'm not quite the oldest ones in the church. I'll let you guys figure out who that is. <clears throat> we had a conversation last Wednesday night. Somebody who's in the room came up and said, Pastor John, it just dawned on me. I think we are the oldest ones that come on a regular basis. And we've got like Paul across the street, 97, right? And we've got uh, Miss Juanita, 93. And we've got Miss Martha, 93. And we've got Miss Lizzie, 92. We've got people, but they don't come to church and so everybody would say, well, I know who it is. It's got to be Bob Mayer. No, Brother Bob, you're not. You're getting there. Hang on. But you're not there. Yeah. <laughs> the people that got you beat. And I'm like, you know what? I think you actually are. Uh, but we got to listen up, right? As, as old people, we have got to be this example. It's time for us to love. Here's what we hear sometimes. We're not careful. As we get older, we start looking at young people with a little bit of disdain. I can't believe they let their kids act that way. We're supposed to act just like Jesus. And you know what Jesus would say at that moment? Suffer the little children. Hey, guys, come here. Jesus would slow your kids down. He just wouldn't do it with a ball bat. Do you understand? He'd slow your kids down and say, hey, come here, let me tell you something. Do you see the difference? And how can we expect the young people to take on the attitude of Jesus if that's not us? You know, we, we need to behave ourselves like Jesus would. What's another thing? It's just like Jesus. Forgive. forgive. It's just like Jesus to forgive, right? In fact, he is so good at it that every time we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
and yet we want to hang on to the things that people do to us. We ought to be an example of the believer. How can we pass this along if we're not doing it ourselves? We must be an example of the believer because we're going to look at these young people and say, hey, don't let anyone despise your youth, but be an example of the believer. And they're going to be, well, what does that look like? And we should be able to, well, we should be pointing. It looks like that, it looks like that, it looks like that, it looks like that. You get the idea? As, as believers, so in word, in charity, we just talked about that, Christ loving, I'm, I'm hurrying along, I've got a lot of things that just like Jesus, but uh, charity definition is love, affection, benevolence. Those are the concepts that are, that are found in that word, love, affection, and benevolence. And yet we are called upon to love as an example of the believer. So how we love and who we love and what we love matters, right? It's not an example of the believer to love the world, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. It's not an example of the believer to love someone else's spouse. It's not an example of the believer, who we love, what we love, and then how we go about showing that love, right? I, I've told you this before, but I literally had somebody in the church tell me one time, my wife knows I love her. If I quit loving her, I'll tell her. <laughs> I mean, he was like, I don't have to tell her I love her. Wait a minute, how we love matters. It does matter how we go about showing love. So your wife might know that you love her, but you know what I'm going to tell you? That she might not, may not tell you? She wants to hear you say it if for no other reason than just to prove a point. She wants to hear you say it, right? And it, because how we love makes a, dif makes a difference. And we ought to be loving as the believer, as an example of someone who's following after Jesus. That's the way we love. In spirit, spirit means, I've got to give you these, I'm going to run out of time. It, it's, by definition, mental disposition. It's not, it's not like, ooh, you know, it's a, uh, we're not supposed to love, you know, like uh, ghosts or something like that. It's something about our attitude, our mental disposition. Our, what are we, how, how are we going about our Christian walk? So give me a, a Bible mental disposition. Say it again. Think on these things, which are true, honest, just, pure, loving, good. Give me a Bible. Tell me. Tell me uh, my attitude. What is, a, what is a Bible attitude? Cheerful. 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 That's one, right? Cheerful. How many Christians do you know that are not cheerful? Don't point. <laughs> How many Christians do you know that are not cheerful? Have you, ever, have you ever thought to yourself, what's the matter with that person? By the way, have you, ever, have you ever been listening to a preacher preach and you think, what is he so mad about? Yikes. It's like, man, something, he's got something, a burr under his saddle. What's going on here? We ought to be an example, and one of those attitudes is cheerful. What's another one? Peace. Peace ought to be one, right? A peace, not just any peace, by the way, it's a peace that passes all understanding. We ought to reflect peace. Our, our lives ought not to be lived in this constant anxiety. That song we just heard, play on the piano, all your anxiety, all your cares, bring to the mercy seat. Leave them there. That, that ought to be what we're doing, right? We ought to be reflecting in our attitude. Peace. What's another one? Long-suffering. Long-suffering. Long-suffering being, you know, we ought to be patient with people. Be patient, be patient, be patient. I, and it's easy for us. You know, I mean, here's the reality. When we're young, we're too young to think it through. When we're old, everything hurts. And it's hard sometimes to be patient in that in-between, right? But... When we're led by the Spirit of God, then our long-suffering doesn't change with the circumstances of our life. Right? And we ought to be an example. What did you say, Doc? I'm sorry. Uh, and, and, everything and everything give thanks. Thankfulness, right? These ought to be the kinds of things that we're reflecting. As we're bringing these young people in, uh, into our midst, these young people, the ones that are coming up, the the ones who are back from college, and by the way, uh, you'll have Maria back for a week, and then she's gone to Kosovo, then she's back for, then she's going to camp, we'll get to see her at camp, you won't, haha. And then, so just, but there, there are young people are kind of coming back, and some of them are leaving, because school's ending, the ones that are here are going elsewhere, the ones that are gone are coming back. Uh, you gotta, our time to invest is short, is what I'm trying to get across. It's short. And we ought to reflect thankfulness, right? We ought to be thankful people. 
which means we're, if I'm thankful, I'm not complaining. complaining. I'm not complaining. It's like, when is he going to finish? When I'm thankful, I'm not complaining, right? I mean, it ought to, it ought to reflect. This is what we ought to do. If we bring these young people into our midst and do not reflect the believer, we're failing them. We're failing them. And so we've got to, and by the way, so like for the interns, everyone in here, young people, you're included in this, right? Our job is to impact them, and this is how we do it. We be an example of the believer in faith. Uh, so it, this is kind of odd, but if you look up the definition of this uh, in, in your concordance, persuasion is the very first thing it says. And, and the idea is not that you're doing the persuading, it is what are you persuaded by? Am I persuaded? Am I convinced? Am I fully persuaded that the, the word of God is true and I'm going to stand on it no matter what? Am I fully persuaded that God answers prayer? Am I fully persuaded? I mean, it's, what are we persuaded by? What, what, what becomes our persuasion? Or um, credence is the next word that it uses. And it's kind of interesting. The idea is this. What do you count as credible? I mean, is the Bible more credible than Fox News to you? Yeah. I mean, what's credible to you? If, if a scientist stands up and says this, but the Word of God says this, which do you hold to? Because that's our credible. That's what we're counting as credible. So this, we're supposed to be, a, be an example of the believer in the way that we are exercising our faith, in how we are persuaded. Can someone sit down with a Bible verse and persuade you to go a direction because this is what thus saith the Lord? You know, we, we, in Bible counseling, we talked about this on Wednesday nights here a few weeks back, and in Bible counseling, that's what we do. We're, we're, we're biblical counselors. We're not psychologists. We are biblical counselors. And so we're not, we're not trying to change people's lives with a 12-step program. What we do is say, well, here's the issue. Here's what the Word of God says about it. And if you have been fully persuaded that the Word of God is true, then you follow after the Word of God, right? And it always works. Do we believe that or not? Always works. I mean, I'm telling you, you'd be shocked how many people look you right in the eye and say, Pastor, I tried that, and it didn't work. Oh, really? You're telling me that God's Word didn't work? And I'm telling you that there's a misplaced faith here someplace. You know, because God's Word works, and it works every time may not work on our timetable, but it works. Got to hurry. I'm running out of time. Uh, moral conviction. What determines your moral compass? Is it the word of God or is it the fling of the day, which is where we are right now in our society, right? We, we've kind of lost our moral compass as a society. I hope that's not true inside here. So when these young people are coming in, and whether we realize it or not, those 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds coming in, they're still trying to decide these things. You say, well, they're in Bible college. They've probably already decided those things. No, they're not. They're 19, 20-year-olds. That's what they are. They're trying to decide where they stand on these issues. And they're looking to God's people to be an example of the believer. And have we, have we put our confidence in the Word of God to determine our moral compass, what is right and what is wrong? I mean, that's a good, it's a good question. And when we have become confident in the Word of God, then it's thus saith the Lord, and we don't, we're not bent by every wind of doctrine, right? Uh, so that we become that double-minded man who becomes unstable in all of his ways. We need to be that example because we want to show them what it is to be that. In faith, then in purity is the last one. Cleanliness, chastity, purity. It's the big battle of, of always been, always been the big battle of, for guys. just always has been. But it's the big battle of our young people today. They're bombarded with impurity in ways that we couldn't have even imagined when we were kids. They are, they are bombarded with it every day to the, to the extent that our government had to make a law that you can't talk to eight-year-olds about sex in the classroom. I mean, if, that, if they would have done that when we were, in, when we were in, in second grade, our parents would have marched in and had a great conversation with a lot of people and think heads would have rolled, right? That's what used to happen. Now, the government has to step in and say, we're not going to let this happen anymore. What? We've lost our moral compass. And purity has been, has been the 
the thing that has gone by the wayside. It's just, it's, it's difficult to maintain purity when we gave up the idea of innocence, of trying to protect people from impure things. And so by the time they're 11, 12, 13, you'd be shocked. I remember, I'm going to tell you something that I've got to be really, really careful here. I remember I came home from school one day and I told my mom a joke that used a particular four-letter word that I had no idea what it was because I was about 10. I didn't know what it meant. I'm telling my mom this joke, right? I'm telling my mom a joke, and my mom didn't laugh at the joke, and she said, you need to talk to your father tonight when he gets home. I knew something was up, and I still didn't know what because I had not a clue. The point is I'm a 10-year-old who's hearing something that I'd never heard before. But I'm telling you today... Those same words, six, seven, and eight, those same words. We've lost something here. And we need to help these young people to be an example of the believer in the idea of purity. And it's not going to just happen. It's not. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a challenge for us. Okay, take your Bible, turn to Titus chapter 2. Let's turn over there real quickly. I'm going to walk through Titus chapter 2 in about three minutes. promise we're going to get out of here. And uh, so Titus chapter 2. Uh, so as they're coming in, we're investing in the uh, interns. I'm using the interns just as a, as a kicking point, but we're really talking about all of these young people. We're talking about all of us being an example of believer. So in Titus chapter 2, it says, verse, starting verse 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. You know, that's first just a nice good lesson on speech. Talk about things that are going to actually help people in their Christian walk, that are going to become sound doctrine. And then it goes on, That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise that they be in behaviors becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of, thing, of good things. And then it goes to verse 4, that they may teach, in this particular case it says the young women, but it's the whole concept here, that they may teach the younger to be sober. In this case, with the women, love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise, exhort. Talk to the young men. Exhort to be sober-minded. It doesn't mean that you can't have fun, but it means to figure out when serious things are at play and let's be able to be serious, right? To be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. That's the end goal. That we, would be, that we would be the kind of people that mud doesn't stick to. That they would be ashamed, having no, no true evil thing to say of us. Right? We are to be that kind of people. That's the example of the believer. He says, listen up, old people. You've got to do this because the young people need it. That's what he says in Titus chapter 2. You've got to pay attention to what's going on because there's a, there's a generation, a, two generations below us that are craving to see a Christianity that actually works. And they will walk away from the church and God and everything else if they can't find a God that's big enough to get dad over the hurdles that he keeps dragging around with him. They're looking for a God that has the power to give victory in lives. That's what they're looking for. We need to be the example of the believer so that they know how to be an example of the believer. And we can impact a generation for the cause of Christ. That's why we do it. It costs thousands of dollars. We do it gladly. Because it's important. Because the next generation is worth every drop of sweat, every cut and scratch and every dime that we put into it. We need to accept it. Become that example. Father, raise up in this body those who are willing to look in that mirror of the word and see what needs to be changed and allow you to make us the example of the believer. And God, as we on purpose bring young people into our midst, may we be responsible to pass along a joyful, cheerful, thankful, 
powerful God. May we be an example of believers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing, Be an Example. What a great song for us to sing. The altar's open to you. Feel free to step out and do business with the Lord. Uh, listen to the words. We're going to sing both verses of this, Pastor Andrew, whoever was over there. And uh, let's just sing it together. <coughs> that we take many soon will follow in the choices that we make so let us then be Bless you, keep you, make a space shine, I'm going to give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. You're dismissed.